today's episode, we'll talk spring training stats and whether what we're seeing matters or not. We'll cover important injury news, player movement, and more. Plus, we'll share our interview with Diamondbacks writer Nick Pecoro. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. This is Fastball Fantasy Baseball with Taylor Tarter and Matt Kerr. Let's get into it. Before getting into player injuries today, we have our sometimes guest host on, Nick DiStefano. He's going to jump in and uh, and pinch hit for Matt this week. So uh, let's get into it. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. If you check out our Twitter at Fastball, Fastball Pod on Twitter, uh, we have been keeping track of injuries throughout spring training. We've kind of got a running list going. And so a lot of these guys have shown up. If you've been following our Twitter, you should be familiar with some of these. But we'll go through some important ones. Uh, Arizona starting pitcher Zach Gallen has been doing bullpen sessions but hasn't pitched in a game yet this is definitely going to result in a delayed start to his season and he's a guy with a bunch of potential but lots of injuries the last few years hasn't been on the field and I don't know about you but like I don't even I hardly even like think about him like as far as drafts like I'm not really factoring him into my decisions yeah, I don't think he's someone that I've got in any of the drafts I've done recently. And he's not someone I'm targeting. I, I just don't think his underlying metrics look good without the injury. And then, you know, any anytime there's an arm issue with the pitcher, you just you just get worried. Yeah. And um, yeah, especially shoulders. Uh, yep. This is uh, something uh, a few other pitchers. Mike Miner and Luis Castillo for the Reds, they both have shoulder issues and both of them are going to open the season on the IL. And the issue with shoulders is there's a lot, they're a lot more difficult to diagnose. There's a lot more going on than the elbow. I had uh, shoulder labrum surgery. We had no idea what it was for a while. I was getting physical therapy for like an impingement in my back and all kinds of stuff. And then it took a while to kind of narrow down what it was, you know, for, yeah. for an, for an elbow injury, it's like, does he have Tommy John or, or not, but for his shoulder, yeah. it can be a million things. And, and Zach Gallon's going, uh, if you look at fantasy pros, which is what I use for my ADP, cause it's that consensus of all the different uh, experts out there. He's going one thirty eighth off the board right now. Um, and he's the 43rd starting pitcher. There's a lot of pitchers that are coming back from injuries that I would take over him. Um, like someone, for example, I would pick in that spot is someone like Mike Clevenger, who's going 154 overall. I would much rather have him than Zach Gallen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a couple other players uh, who have shown up on the injured list, Atlanta outfielder Ronald Acuna is going to have a late April debut as the DH, I think that it definitely increases his value from what we were thinking, you know, maybe late May, but I still think the stolen bases, the expectations for stolen bases, we kind of have to mitigate those expectations a little bit. Yeah, I think he's going to be a little slow to get started. I agree. We, we got a question from brad turner on facebook he said who's more valuable in fantasy with a full healthy season ronald acuna or fernando tatis jr flip a coin <laughs> i i think i think it's so close i think like if you're talking if you're talking a points league where strikeouts matter probably leans more tatis uh acuna for as good as he is he does strike out a lot that's a, that's a great point. I also, I also think that Tatis has had more injuries. So there's, I think there's more of a concern with him and there is more unknown. So even if you told me they were both going to get a full season, I would still be, I would be more worried about Tatis than I would Acuna. He's, this is the one thing he's had happen. And it was, you know, a freak accident. Whereas Tatis yeah. who knows how many motorcycle crashes he's had. Yeah. 
Oh man, uh, I, we talked about this the other week. But he got he got asked like, um, you know, we heard you had a motorcycle crash, and he goes, "Which one?" <laughs> That's it's so un- ridiculous, unreal. Uh, but yeah, so I, I it's inter- it's an interesting conversation between them because Tatis gives you the extra maybe fifteen home runs over over Acuna, whereas Acuna gives you maybe like 15 extra steals. So it's kind of really, yeah, really a true toss-up. Uh, a couple other players here showing up on the IL. Boston starting pitcher Chris Sale. He has been dealing with a rib stress fracture. There is still no timetable, but there are articles out now that he's going to start throwing within the week. So his return is likely sooner than expected. And that could really impact drafts. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, right now he's going 104 um, in terms of ADP. And I think that's pretty spot on i think that that you know if he's going to come back in end of may and you're going to get him almost as a top 100 pick like right around that that time frame i think that's a good deal um and that's someone i would invest in i i personally am okay with investing in someone who i know is going to be on the il um not a a pitcher with a shoulder injury but um something like this i i would be willing to take a shot on him yeah and and you know this this depends on do you have one IL spot. Do you have three IL spots? Do you have no IL spots? Great point. Great. Yep. Uh, a few others. Chicago Cubs starting pitcher Wade Miley has a neck issue. He's going to be missing the start to the season, and he'll debut in mid-April. White Sox first baseman Andrew Vaughn is dealing with a hip pointer injury, and the timetable for him is about one or two weeks. Another interesting pitcher coming back from injury is Dustin May. Uh, Dodgers pitcher Dustin May, he is throwing for the first time later this week. Uh, He's coming back from Tommy John. That's another player that I would be considering in that spot instead of somebody like Zach Gallen. You know, Dustin May, he's probably still a few months away, but he could be really interesting down the road. Definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'd say put him on your scout team, put him on your watch list. He's definitely someone who when he comes back, I mean, the dude throws gas. Yeah. Uh, middle uh, Milwaukee infielder Luis Arias, he's dealing with a quad issue. And so he'll open the season on the IL. He was one of my offseason sleepers, but, you know, got to got to hold back expectations a little bit for him. Yeah, I think his draft capital goes down a little bit yeah. with that for sure. And one of my one of my favorite like sleeper fantasy players of the last few years San Francisco third baseman, Evan Longoria. He's like literally in every league, he's my first guy that I add every year. Cause he always, he's always producing. He's, he hits the ball hard uh, and you know, he's stable, except he's having surgery to pay, repair a ligament in his finger. There's no timetable. He has to keep it stabilized for like two weeks and then they go from there. So it's really uh, yeah, a bummer to see him. I don't think he's going to do too well this year. I mean, he's (laughs) when you really look at where he's being drafted, he's he's definitely under the radar. What do you think his average draft is? uh, His ADP is right now. Oh, it's got to be like 300. Yeah, it's 339. Yeah, Um, I think that's too low. I but um, I I think that his he's going to be even more under the radar considering he's going to start on the IL. I still think like. If you're if you're in a draft that deep where you're picking 300 plus players, yeah, you know, he's he he can still help you out, and and, yeah. and like a 330, the 330th pick, that's good value for him. I mean, when you look at the people that are going around him, it's like James McCann, um, Kyle Finnegan, Dakota Hudson, Denelson Lamette. I mean, I would pick Evan Longoria over yeah. a lot of the people in that range, um, depending on what I needed, especially if you've got a league where you're playing a middle or a corner infielder. It just makes sense to have someone like him on your roster. Yeah, I I, just, I love Evan Longoria. And then <laughs> man finally... Crush. Man crush, full on man crush. Uh, Washington starting pitcher Steven Strasburg looks like he won't debut until at least May, but we'll see. Let's look yeah. at some. Uh, let's look at some recent player movement. 
So we have a couple of signings to cover here uh, and some trades too. So Chris Archer signs with Minnesota. Albert Pujols goes back to St. Louis. Do those moves do anything for you in terms of like fantasy baseball? Um, honestly, I think for the average fantasy baseball player, these moves don't mean very much. If you play in an AL or NL only, you might want to consider them. Um, even there, there's still, I don't know that it's fantasy relevant. I'm personally invested. I'm in a guillotine league that I've told you about where we're going to play 800 players. So I'm going to look at them because I just, there's so many players that are going to be drafted. Um, especially someone like Pujols because he's going to be able to DH. So he's going to get more at-bats than he would have in the past. Um, and it, he also kind of said that this was his last ride like yeah. that recently came out. So I'm sure he's going to be motivated. You know, he's back in St. Louis. He's going to be, you know, pumped up to end on a high note. I still don't think the skills there that he's fantasy relevant for most people. I'm ready to see him, Yachty, and Wainwright all retire at the same time on the same that, team. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I as far as as far as those guys for fantasy baseball, I don't I don't see any either of them being particularly relevant. Archer only appeared in six games last year, and before that, he didn't pitch since 2019. So it's just it's hard to see either being fantasy relevant unless, like you said, you're in an AL or NL only or a very very deep league. There there is one impactful trade to cover though the Phillies sent Adam Hazley to the White Sox for a prospect and the reason I think it matters is because Hazley fills a clear hole for the White Sox in right field that that's where uh Andrew Vaughn got hurt because yeah. he was playing right field and made a dive Hazley can also play center field and you know maybe Luis, uh, Luis Robert moves to right field, you know, depending on how they want to align the defense. But I, I think that this also, so Adam Hazley, he shoots up draft boards a little bit because now he's guaranteed some, some full-time at bats. And then I think this also really matters for Matt Veerling in Philly mm. because Odubel Herrera is on the IL in Philly and that defense is going to be horrendous. And uh, Matt Veerling, as an outfielder last year, in, in limited time, granted, but as an outfielder, outfielder last year, he was one of the best defensive players they had. Yeah, I, I also, I believe Matt Veerling, depending on the site you're playing on, he might also have first base eligibility, um, which that position eligibility is something that a lot of people are always interested in. Yeah, and so if you're in like prospect leagues or, you know, deep leagues, like that's a guy that's a, a guy who's probably going to get a starting job out of spring training and is pretty good. He batted 300 in, yep. in his limited time last year, so somebody to keep an eye on. All right, let's take a look at a few interesting spring training starts and see if they actually matter. That Hansel's so hot right now. So I pulled a few interesting stat lines and these are from uh, Monday. So they might be a little different by the time y'all listen to this. So basically I'm, I'll, I'll give you the, the player and their stats and I want to know, does this information matter to you in terms of their draft stock value, that sort of thing? So Yankees shortstop Glaber Torres, he's eight for 19 in the spring. That's a 421 batting average. And he's hit two home runs. And I don't know about you, but for me, the two home runs, that catches my eye because we've only seen him hit for power like one year. And almost all versus, of his home runs. Baltimore. Yeah, they they all came <laughs> against Baltimore. And yep. you know, he's batting with a high average right now and you know granted, you know, we're talking about spring training stats, right? He's hitting against minor league pitchers and you know, relief pitchers that are going to get cut and stuff like that. So, yeah. I th I think when you look at him and you I, I think it's important even though those stats might pop out and they sit, 
like you said, they're against some some players who are, who are not going to ultimately make the major league teams. I think one of the things that's really important before you do your draft prep is to look at the depth of that position and even who who's there around them. Um, you know, I think when you get to the point where Glaber Torres in a, is in a draft, you're drafting for upside and people at second base that I would rather have than him, someone like Brendan Rogers in Colorado, I think he will, he has the potential to produce more home runs, more RBIs, um, more, even though he's in a, a lineup that um, is not the same, obviously, as um, the Yankees, I would rather have the upside of Brendan Rodgers over someone like Glaber Torres or even Ryan McMahon, who's got second base eligibility. I think both of those players um, should be going before Glaber Torres in, in drafts. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it, it, Torres just isn't, it, he isn't the player that I like to draft. And I'm, I'm okay with fading him despite his, his start in spring training here. Another interesting stat line, Kansas City third baseman Bobby Witt. And if you're if people are going to be like, he's a shortstop. He's listed as a third baseman in in uh MLB.com and ESPN. So that's what I'm going with. Uh third baseman Bobby Witt, eight for 18, 444 average, two home runs, two walks, one strikeout. And that's like screaming good discipline clearly he should make the roster out of spring training it it sure seems like he's going to hit the ground running you just hope that they don't pull a pirates move and send him down even though clearly he should make the the team out of spring yeah i think he's the real deal and i think i personally think he even though shortstop is deep i think by the end of the season if he gets a full season in him i think he could be top five shortstop by the end of the season yeah the power speed combo is ridiculous I, and you know third base is is not anywhere near as deep as middle infield this year and if we're talking about him being a top five shortstop and he has third base eligibility too lord you're talking about maybe one of the maybe second best to to uh jose ramirez you know yeah He's um, I'm trying to look up his projections right now. Right now, he's projected to have 69 runs, 70 RBIs. Um, and I, I don't I think that's I think that's way too low. How, how um, many how many games of, is in the projection? Like how many games they're, played? They're projecting 131 games. And I think in 131 games, I think he'll he'll have more than that. I think he's, um, I think he'll also play more than that. Yeah, and that's that's projecting seventeen stolen bases, stolen bases as well. Yeah, so he's he's interesting, definitely. Uh, Los Angeles outfielder, uh, Angels outfielder Joe Adele is seven for twenty five for a two eighty batting average, three home runs, two walks, six strikeouts, and three steals. And for me, it's interesting, but I'm not sure it really sways me all that much. And this is kind of that like spring training thing where I, I would really like to see him do it against major league pitching. Yeah. Especially when you consider that he was a top prospect and he came up and he just struggled so mightily against the best pitching. Um, I think that I would keep an eye on him. That power speed combo is it's definitely something that I'm intrigued by, but I'm with you. I would watch him. If you're in, um, if you're in an AL only pick him up for sure. But I think he's a league dependent type of a ad for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Milwaukee first base, second baseman, Keston Hira, one of my least oh favorite players. <laughs> <laughs> Soapbox time. I've, I've like two, 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 the last two years, I've basically like trashed him. <laughs> um he's seven of 15 right now 467 batting average three home runs one walk and four k's but for me it's the same attitude as joe adele like i'll believe it when i see it against top level major league pitching over over a stretch and i'm okay with fading him and like missing out if he turns out to be like a good player this year and if you and you, everybody can rub it in my face if i'm wrong i don't care well, I, I, i'd like last year 
I I'll own up. I'll own up if I'm if I'm wrong on a player. I didn't think Shohei was gonna uh, hit as many in as many games as he did. They play they DH'd him a bunch. Uh, I was late to the show on you know I, I on Vlad. You you knew the the potential was there, but he was basically like hitting the ball straight into the ground, and I was late on him. Right, I I didn't invest early enough. But the question. People can call me out if I'm wrong on Hira. That's the point I'm making here. Nothing sure. in his profile makes me think he will be a good player. I mean, when you when you look at what you're even getting to, what are you going to get? Home runs? Like, his track record shows that even when he did come up and, like, there was that one stretch last year where he hit four home runs in, like, five or six games, and everyone was like, oh, my God, he's going to do it. And then the next – seven eight games it was just like over 28 or something yeah exactly you're you're if you're playing in roto especially he's on on my do not draft list the only way i would consider him i think he might be worth it if he if he does go off in something like a head-to-head categories where you you need those home runs to, to win that category each week and if your league is deep enough but I'm with you. We and we discussed him. You can go back and listen to one of the episodes that I was I was jumped on with you last year. You and I went in on him. Um, when you look at all of his his stats, I don't have him in front of me right now, but I don't think he's someone that I will even consider drafting. No, I'm totally fine fading him. Um, Dodgers first base outfielder Cody Bellinger, three for twenty two, one thirty six batting average, one walk, fifteen strikeouts, and no home runs. And everyone, this was a big, big debate in the off season. Like baseball Twitter was all like, yeah, what are we doing with Cody Bellinger and, and Christian Yelich? Like kind of putting them in the same box as guys who underperformed last season. And I never was in, I, I had Cody Bellinger in his MVP year, but after oh, yeah. that, after that, the the kind of downward slide, I was like, I'm out. He like tweaked his swing and it like, I, I don't know if he changed his approach to the plate, but something he's doing isn't working because that's that's 15 Ks. That's so bad. And, and one walk. Yeah. There was one point where it was nine strikeouts in a row during spring training. Like, it's just, it's ugly. I, you know, I hope that he's not the next uh, Chris Crush Davis, you know, where the, at least, and, and one thing I think it's really interesting, I was looking this up, I think Cody Bellinger only is owed $17 million by the Dodgers this year. And then after that, I don't think they have to resign him next year. I think they might go to arbitration. So if he doesn't, you know, and what do they need, what do they truly need him for when you look at how stacked the, Dodgers lineup is they signed Freddie they don't need him at first base that, that I mean their their lineup is just so yeah. unworldly that like I don't think he's worth the pick in a draft and hoping that he returns especially I looked at his ADP he's going 92nd overall like the people he's going in and he's right around that same place as Kristen Yelich Kristen Yelich is 95th overall I would pick Yelich over Cody Bellinger every single day of the week um and the other people that he's going ahead of just blow my like. He go he's going before average Mitch Haniger, um, Bobby Witt. Um, there's I don't there's believe just that. so that's so bad. So many other what are people, people I doing? Like, <laughs> I mean, wild. I'm I I've done so far. I've done a 15 team 30 player draft, a 12 team 30 player draft, and an 8 team league uh, draft. And I don't have them in any league. And nope. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, no, thank you. It's not worth that. Pick the upside of a younger guy. It ain't worth it. Yeah, and a couple other guys here. Minnesota second baseman Jorge Polanco, who I who I really like. He's one for 17 so far in spring. A .059 batting average, one home run, one walk, and eight strikeouts. A guy like that, I'm I'm not really worried about. I think he'll end up coming around maybe a little bit slower. You might have to be a little patient uh, at the beginning of the season, but I'm not too worried about him because we've seen the last few years. Like we know we know what he is. We know he's at you know at a floor of like 260. So I also think about his lineup now too around him. 
Um, you know, with Correa in the lineup, now I think that makes a difference. So I wouldn't really worry about him. And then uh, we're going to wrap up here with Patrick Corbin, who has thrown nine innings, <coughs> excuse me, given up six hits, two walks, 10 strikeouts, and has a 0.00 ERA. He's back. This actually does interest <laughs> me a little bit. His slider has been on point in in uh, the, the spring training so far. The thing I want to see is his curveball. I want to see that come back. He's decreased his curveball usage every year. So if you look at his best seasons in 2018 and 2019, he threw his curveball eight, nine, seven, eight, nine percent of the time. In the last two years, he's thrown it less than two percent of the time. And you wonder if part of that is just like he feels like he doesn't have it. Uh, you know, is it coaching? But uh, you know, bring that back, keep that slider working. And he's an interesting late pick, you know. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say no. If if I'm getting him, if I'm getting him in the back end of my drafts. I'm On average, he's going 327. I think no, he's worth I'll, a shot. I'll take him at there. that. Yeah, same. So before before we wrap up here, I, I want to talk a little bit about draft strategy since we're talking about you know how these how our spring training stats are looking and and what that is doing to draft value so i just want to talk about uh for a second a few pitchers who are not doing well right now and then kind of like what what are we doing with pitching early in this season uh, so right now there are several pitchers with higher than a four ERA in spring training. And there's some big names, Adam Wainwright, uh, Webb, Burns, Ray, Stroman, Flexen, Hendricks, and Musgrove. All the, the caveat here is they all have 10 innings pitched or less, mm -hmm. but they all have, they're all, you know, four, uh, they've all given up four in runs, right? Does any of that matter to you? Honestly, I think that we're going to see, and you've discussed this in previous episodes, we're going to see starting pitchers struggle to start the year. I think the, the pitchers always have the hardest time adjusting every season, um, especially in fantasy. They always start a little slower than a batter traditionally does. But I think with the shortened spring training, we're going to see it's going to be less quality starts. We're going to see guys – um, probably struggle a little bit more with control. I would still go back to, especially for all those guys you just mentioned, their entire work of um, the previous season, the year prior to that. I mean, look at their whole body of work. Those guys are, are all still going to be elite. There are some of them that I would say you might be a little more worried about than others. You know, when we're looking at that list and you've got someone like Wainwright on there, you know, he's, he's, um, Obviously, at the end of his career, I worry about him of all of the people that you listed. Um, Stroman, I always worry about. The dude gives up uh, home runs like he's Oprah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that the rest of those guys are all going to be people that I'm, I'm still interested in. What about if I tell you Logan Webb, Robbie Ray, Corbin Burns, and Marcus Stroman all have given up three walks or more? so far and four hits or more so far so how many In walks, 10 innings or less yeah right remember when uh corbin burns started last year how many how long did he go without giving up a walk um so that's that is concerning um but again i i still think it's a lot of it is just the start of the season um if if they're doing that in the first two starts then i think we might have a little bit more concern um, but i think all of these guys are going to work it out and so we are a week away from the start of the season and, you know, you've kind of alluded to it a little bit. Are you, are you adapting your strategy with, with pitchers who start the season, like uh, with your draft strategy, with your waiver wire strategy, are you, are, are, are you making changes to what you would normally do with so many pitchers, like coming back from injury or not being stretched out? You know, uh, is that does that factor into your game plan here? 
Yeah, I, it does for me personally. I think that the the difference between in starting pitching when you look at um, those who truly can start in fantasy and be like there's the top tier elite pitchers. Um, I think there's less and less of them. Like I, I really truly think that there is six, seven, maybe maybe eight that I would say are like a true ace. Um, and you can debate that back and forth, but there's, there are, what, what I'm, I'm generally trying to do in my drafts, what I find myself doing is kind of doing that pocket aces strategy where hmm. I want two top 15 starting pitchers. Like for me, if I can get, um, and it's what I did in our, our keeper league, I kept Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Um, and then if, for me, because the pitchers are, um, because the rest of the pitchers are going to be shorter in terms of their time um, on the mound. I mean, I think because there's less of a chance of there being quality starts, there's guys who you know are going to go a little longer, who have a longer leash, who have a, a longer history and track record of being a top-notch pitcher. I'm going to try and draft them more so um, because I don't think pitching is going to be as deep. So like if I can get those two guys, Burns and Woodruff, and then I can still come back and, and get someone like Freddie Peralta um, or Sandy Alcantara, if I can do that, heck yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take that over a hitter every day. I prioritize pitching for sure. Yeah. And, and to that point about getting those kind of like workhorse guys, I posted on our show's Twitter, fast, at fastball pod on Twitter, uh, a Google sheet of, quality starts uh basically like quality starts leaders over the last four years well five years but not 2017 to 2021 not counting 2020 and so you can order it you can sort it year to year um you know do what you want with it but um my one of my strategies going into the early part of the season is i'm gonna lean real heavy on starting pitchers with high quality starts pitchers that are regularly going deep into games season after season, or you see them trending up in quality starts over the last couple of seasons. So I, and, and in our league that, that you and I are in together, both of us, I don't think either of us drafted a relief pitcher. And I think that's a key piece of it too, is the, the landscape around relief pitchers right now. There are so many committees out there and so many yes. unknowns that it just, it's wild to, you're, I think you're wasting your draft capital by taking a reliever, unless you are taking Hader and you're taking him in the fourth round or the fifth round. I mean, look um, at, look at all the people that drafted Blake Trinan and news comes out today from LA that they're going to give the closer job to Hudson and Trinan likes being the setup man. Yeah. And it you changes know, every you day. just like wasted your pick. And so uh, part, part of it for me was that like, I, I know I'm, it's, it's just too risky. Yeah. And, and I, but I also am leaning heavy on pitching to it's a categories league so I'm gonna max out my innings even in points leagues it's super this would be a super important strategy so a few a few quality starts guys that you want to target you know we you mentioned some uh Woodruff Burns they were some of the leaders last season Walker Bueller Robbie Ray Alcantara Adam Wainwright Kevin Gossman Cole Scherzer Barrios right those are guys at like the top of the list that you should be looking at in those first three four rounds that are are you know workhorse type guys some later guys to to look at for quality starts Kyle Hendricks uh Gibson Herman Marquez Adis Clefani those guys are are uh quality starts machines they were last year and and you would imagine that things aren't going to change yeah. for them so you know look, take a look at at you know what i posted on our twitter yeah, and and sure. use that resource and yeah. you know it's there to help uh drafters with with those early season strategies and you can keep those guys on your radar too the guys that didn't get drafted stream them in right find them that if that if there's a guy out there that doesn't get doesn't get drafted and he goes 
eight innings in his first start, snap him up, right? Yep. Yeah, you know, too, if you don't get the guys like, that we're talking about, you know, like let's say that the, just depending on where you're, you're drafting or maybe it's more of a, a, a points, it's a point le- a points league and you know, pitchers go faster, whatever it may be, that you don't get the, the top tier aces. You always could, too, just if you're concerned about quality starts, you could fade quality starts completely and punt that category and just play for – for ratios, you know, the, the, there's nothing wrong with picking relievers who aren't going to get saves. You know, you could go with guys like Andrew Kittredge or, Jonathan you know, exactly. Devin Williams. Um, right. Because just the, the flexibility of, of the relief pitching is so wild. Like he, there's a lot of people that I saw drafting and he's been going, moving up draft boards. They've been drafting um, Camilo Duvall. And then I heard the um, the manager say um, just the other day that Jake McGee might be their closer, um, and he's going like ten picks later. And I mean, he could have thirty saves before the season's up. It's wild. Yeah, I one one other thing on this point, uh, kind of what you were talking about is you targeting like multi inning relievers because what's going to happen early in the season is they're going to do like piggyback starts you're going to exactly. get a guy going like three innings and then another guy going three innings and then they'll throw in the short relievers in the end so you know if you're in a super deep league hammer those middle relievers uh if you you, you know what what you might want to do is go like cole woodruff back to back and then go haters the rest of the way and snap up guys like we said like you know, get Devin, get a Devin Williams, get a, even like a go, go hater and Williams later, you know, yeah. in the, in the draft and, and play for ERA, play for whip. Case. Uh, you I mean, strikeouts, those guys are going to get wins, you know? So exactly. it's, it's uh there's a lot of things you can do here to kind of like work around the issue of, of uh, pitchers that are, are not going to be going deep in the game. So heavy quality starts, get those long, uh, those long relievers, short relievers, but uh, you gotta, you gotta make a plan. You gotta go in with a plan. For sure. So we'll take a quick break here and we'll be right back with an interview with Diamondbacks writer, Nick Pocoro. And that's right after a word from our sponsor. I'd like to welcome back Nick Pecoro to the podcast. Nick covers the Diamondbacks for the Arizona Republic. You can find his articles at azcentral.com or you can follow him on Twitter at Nick Pecoro. Nick, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me back. So I want to get right into it. One one player I always struggle with uh, understanding and especially with fantasy baseball is Kettle Marte. And so what I mean by that is, you know, he's had one season of more than 14 home runs out of seven years. And granted, one year is 2020. And, you know, he's been called up and down a couple of times. But, uh, you know, that that one year, he had 32 home runs. And so do you think that's an attainable um, goal for him again this season or in the future? Or do you think it was more so like a product of the juice balls in 2019 so basically like what do you expect out of him this year yeah I mean I don't think I don't think I would say that it's it's um it was a fluke or or some sort of big outlier although I I mean I I guess that's certainly a a reasonable argument I just think it's about staying healthy um which he just hasn't really been able to do very well um the last couple years look 2020 um he did not have a very good year. Uh, part of that I think was, was him trying to live up to expectations that he had created. Part of that was the weirdness of the short season and, and doing everything he could to like, you know, get to whatever number he had to get to in his mind of, you know, okay, I got to hit 15 home runs in, in, in 60 games. And, and then when he, you know, started slow, it like started to, to compound and he felt like he had to do more. And I, that's, that's kind of the way that I, I saw that kind of playing out. I think it played mind games with him. Hmm. Um, but last year, I mean, he was on the injured list a couple of times. Um, you know, even, even in 2020, he had a, a little bit of a wrist thing that, that bothered him late in the year. Um, so, I mean, that's a big thing for him. And, and it's, it's a reason why I can see why 
maybe this isn't the best time for him to get traded if the Diamondbacks were to, to consider trading him or, you know, why would a club be willing to pay an astronomical amount for a guy that's had a little bit of trouble staying healthy? If I'm giving up a, a King's ransom for, you know, a, a controllable player like that, that, that you're, you know, thinking is going to be a star. Um, I would want to know that, that like, you know, that he's going to be able to give you 150 games. Um, so I, I think staying healthy is, is really the key with Cattell. And I think it's, it's reasonable to say that um, his, his move uh, from, it sounds like these, they're going to put him at second base. His move from center field to second base this year is done with health mostly in mind. Um, and so that, that's a little bit of a reason to, to feel a little bit better about his chances this year. And kind of like on that topic, I guess, you know, Dalton Varsho is likely going to take one of those outfield slots for at least part of the time. Uh, I'm guessing he's going to split time between outfield and catcher and, and likely DH. What do you, what sort of production do you expect out of him this year? I don't know, man. That's a really good question. I'm not, I'm not sure either exactly where he's going to play. You're, you're probably right. Um, probably he bounces all around. Um, I, I think, uh, I think you look at his, at the last, you know, six weeks, two months of the season, he was, he was a really exciting player, a really interesting player. And probably somebody that a lot of people like didn't really realize was doing what he was doing. Cause the diamondbacks were so bad. Um, but he was really hitting, um, I mean, he's just can impact the game in a bunch of different ways and including with his legs. I mean, he's just such a, a great athlete, the kind of runner you don't normally see out of a catcher um i don't know i mean let me see i'm I'm like blanking on exactly what his numbers were last year down the stretch but like is it is it reasonable to think that what he did you know in the second half or or you know from august 1st on is a you know is is what we could expect from him that's a close to an 800 ops if you start it right around the all-star break it's even better it's a 879 ops i think anything in that, in that range is, is, is reasonable. I mean, I, you see it all the time with, with young guys that have a little bit of, of a hard time getting their feet, you know, under them at the big league level. I think Varsha was something like 200, 300 plate appearances into his career at this point early on. Um, let me see right around the all-star break. He was, uh, uh, how do I do his career numbers here? Um, he was 220 at bats into his career or 220 plate appearances into his career and had a 168 average. I think he's a lot closer to the guy that we saw in the second half of last year than he is to that at the, you know, the first 200 plate appearances of his big league career. So um, I don't know, is it, is it reasonable to expect him to suddenly become an all-star? I mean, everything in his minor league career would make you think that it's a guy that's going to produce at the big league level. So I'm pretty bullish on him, but I don't know what, I mean, maybe it's silly to, to read too much into, into just a couple of, a couple of months of production, but, but like I said, I mean, it's a guy, it's not like he just, you know, was hitting, you know, well, it's not like he was a mediocre offensive player in his minor league career that all of a sudden popped up and produced. I mean, this was a guy whose whose last couple of months in the big leagues were more like his minor league career than his first 200 plate appearances were. Do you think that was more just like, getting time and getting exposure to major league pitching and, and that sort of thing? Or do you, did you see like tangible things that he did that? I didn't see any major adjustment. No. I mean, I, I and he never really offered any, any explanations either. I mean, it, it felt like, it felt like at least last season, I can't remember exactly how 2020 went, but the first part of 2021, it felt like he was like, Oh, two, one, two in, you know, two thirds mm-hmm. of his, of his bats. Like he was just constantly behind the count. Um, you ask him and he was, just, he would just say like, Hey, you know, like I just wasn't hitting my pitch. I, you know, it was just as simple as that. Like I didn't make some major adjustment. And I don't know. I mean, you wonder if it's just a case of a guy, like maybe pressing a little bit, um, trying to improve, trying to impress everybody. The team falls out of contention. Lots of other young guys start getting opportunities and it makes it a little bit easier for him to, to just relax and kind of be himself. I don't know. I didn't see any, any major adjustment though. So um, how do you see the lineup being affected by the designated hitter likely um, coming to the NL? I was looking at the team's depth chart and on ESPN, they have Christian Walker slotted in as the like main first baseman and the designated hitter. And so there seemed to be, you know, a lot of positions where 
there's going to be some platooning going on. So I'm curious if you think, you know, they're going to add another player somewhere or, or make some moves, make some adjustments to the depth chart. Where do you see moves being made? What, what positions or well, even players do you think are? Targets? I think, I think that if they, that if Seth beer hadn't hurt himself, he had a shoulder injury in September last year um, that he would be the um, odds on favorite to get the bulk of the at-bats at DH. Um, I still think that's probably the way you should look at it, but I think that that injury uh, throws a bit of a wrench into things. Um, we'll see uh, how far along he is, um, you know, when the lockout ends and camp starts and all that. Um, it sounded like it was going to be cutting it a little bit close um, as to whether he was going to be ready to go for the start of the year. And then, you know, it's a shoulder injury that for some guys, you know, ends up like lingering, even after having, having had a procedure and having had it repaired and feeling strong, they don't actually end up feeling like their old selves until like a year later. So it, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a complicating factor, but I think that's the guy that I would look at to, to take most of the at-bats, assuming he's healthy. Um, beyond that, like, I don't know. I don't know that there's a whole lot of guys that, that jump out to me as, as uh, obvious, um, at that recipients, but like, you know, some of those guys that were kind of, you know, Paven Smith could end up, mm -hmm. end up in the mix. Um, he's probably more of a natural first baseman. Um, it could mean that Christian Walker is, is in the mix as well. Maybe they prefer Paven Smith defensively to Christian Walker. I, I don't know. Christian Walker has been a gold glove finalist at the position before. So, um, I would guess it's probably more his to lose. Um, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I think Josh Van Meter is another name to keep in mind. Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody that's, that's totally obvious. So let me see if I can bring up the roster while we're talking. I mean, those are the guys that, that probably, I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, like you said, Dalton Varsho and, you know, maybe, maybe a way to give if, if, if there's a particularly, uh, well, if, if there's a right-handed pitcher on the mound, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a chance to get Varsho in there. If it's a, if it's a lefty and you want Varsho to catch for whatever reason, you can put Carson Kelly at DH. There's no other names that like jump out to me as, as obvious candidates. Cooper Hummel is a guy that they got in exchange for uh, Eduardo Escobar last year at the trade deadline. He's a high on base guy that doesn't really have a position. Um, he's on the 40 and Jordan Luplo is a guy they traded for um, last off season or, or sorry, earlier this off season. But I, I got the sense they're more viewing him as, as an everyday like defender in right field. So I don't know. I think it's probably going to be piecemeal if it's not Seth Beer. So the last question I have for you is about Diamondbacks prospects. So I want to get your take on a few, whether we see them this year or not, and you know what sort of production we should expect uh, from them if they get the call. And then if I'm missing anybody, any names that I need to know, let me know. So I want to get your take on Alec Thomas and Christian Robinson and Corbin Carroll as well, who I know is probably a little bit farther away, but uh, is a is one of the top names in the in the uh, minors for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Um, okay. So Alec Thomas, I think is is probably the biggest name guy that has a chance to like make a big impact um, from a fantasy perspective. I would guess. Um, but I don't think that I would bet on him making the club out of spring training. I think that, uh, Jake McCarthy, who's, you know, had a pretty good year last year. Um, you know, was a college guy, uh, just more advanced, older, just has the leg up. I, I assume that if he has a decent spring training, he's going to have a chance to win a roster spot that, that Thomas would have otherwise had a shot at. And Thomas isn't on the 40 man yet. So, mm -hmm. I'm guessing he's a guy that is going to need a couple of things to go his way. He's going to need to play his way into an opportunity that, you know, maybe it comes really early. He's going to probably go to Reno where he has a chance to, to put up huge offensive numbers. Um, but I don't think that, that he would make a ton of sense on the opening day roster. Uh, Perdomo, Geraldo Perdomo, you didn't mention um, shortstop um, infielder. I think he's also seen some time at second base um, though. Both those positions at the moment are, are, are occupied by Nick Ahmed and more than likely Ketel Marte, like we talked about. Um, but Perdomo had a really interesting year last year where he struggled at first, got sent back to the club's facility where he kind of reworked his swing and regained his confidence, went back out, 
you look at his numbers from when he went back out to the end of the year, when he had earned a, a big league call up the last week of the year, he was crushing it. Um, he was swinging the bat better than he ever had at any point in his professional career, um, hitting the ball with, with more authority, driving the ball with more authority. Um, so kind of makes your outlook on him change for the better. Um, big time fantasy impact. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, Christian Robinson, I don't think making the majors this year is, is very realistic. He's missed, you know, so much time the last couple of years with a lot of different things, whether, you know, COVID, a, a, a legal issue that kept him off the field last year, he still hasn't really been cleared. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that at some point that's going to get uh, straightened out, but, uh, he's going to have a lot of, of a lot to prove from a developmental perspective. Um, there's some pitchers, um, you know, got any of those, those prospects that reached double a for them and, and perform well, Ryan Nelson, uh, Dre Jameson, you know, Luis Frias made the big leagues last year. Um, who am I forgetting? Uh, I guess that's, we've kind of talked, well, I guess Corbin Martin is another guy that, that maybe is, is worth revisiting. Um, you know, as part of the Zach Granke trade, uh, had Tommy John, uh, missed 2020, um, in part because he was recovering from that in part because of another injury came back last year and was terrible. Um, mm -hmm. and is just hoping, I think that he can get back to the, to the guy that he was in the past. Um, I'm not sure exactly what was going on last year. He did finish the year with a little bit of an elbow issue. Maybe that was a thing that was on his mind, but if you still view him as a prospect, um, that's a guy that I think is going to have every opportunity to, to come into camp and, um, and kind of, you know, be able to write himself and, and, uh, although I'd be surprised, you know, I would bet that they would rather him go to the minors and kind of do what he was unable to do last year, which is just get some positive momentum, um, going for him and then possibly come back up. He, he didn't get that opportunity last year, but that's a guy I wouldn't forget about quite yet, though. I'm not saying I, I am, um, you know, willing to bet the farm on, on him being a, uh, you know, above average pitcher right away. Well, Nick, thank you very much for joining me and sharing your insight on the diamondbacks. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on.